It is the 200 level, Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Wednesday evening. And yeah, it's been a bit of a gap between Saturday's podcast, which was an emergency podcast, understandably, after just an absolutely insane weight comeback engineered by old Johnny Paddock, new Alani folk hero. Three for three, 85 yards, and just like that, Illinois is back in bowl contention with a massive game coming up against Indiana. Now, we will get to football in a bit, but I actually wanted to start today's podcast, and Harry Black later, by the way. That's why this episode is hanging with Harry. We're going to get to that in a bit, but I wanted to start with basketball because just like that, it started. (laughs) I mean, the Kansas exhibition game felt like the sort of unofficial start to the season, though a little bit more official than most exhibition games usually feel like. And it felt like, if anything, we learned more from that, certainly, than the Eastern Illinois game, which was kind of an afterthought compared to the excitement that we felt a couple Sundays ago or a week and a half ago when Illinois looked pretty damn good against the number one team in the country. Eastern Illinois, anything but the number one team. And Illinois played like a team that was not all that interested early on against the Panthers. And that that's understandable and something that I don't necessarily begrudge them for. You know, you understand the human nature part of it. Fine. Now, what does this mean going forward? Do we learn anything really on Monday? I don't know. And that's why watching a bit of the playback of that game, because I did not see it live, watching a bit of the playback, there was very little that I saw that made me think, aha, there were no eureka moments or anything that changed the expectations that I had for this team. The Kansas game did a lot more to change expectations, though I want to be careful with that, because while I was a little bit skittish entering this year based on how last year ended, I still thought that this team had a fairly high floor and a fairly static ceiling. The ceiling being in place because of a lack of three-point shooting, or so I thought, free throw shooting and point guard position. But it actually turns out that this team, through two games, if you want to count the Kansas game, has shot the three pretty well, and they have the ability to go on a little bit of a heater from back there. I don't count on that every night. But what I do count on is that in terms of size and athleticism and strength, you will match up well against almost any team on the schedule. And there will be nights where offensively you go stagnant and you lose a frustrating game. But there are very few teams in the Big Ten not named Purdue that I look at when compared to Illinois and think, ah, there's no chance, or nah, what's the point? Take Michigan State, for example. Not to make too big a deal about it, but watching the Michigan State-James Madison game and seeing that go to overtime and seeing a Michigan State team that has plenty of guards but kind of a mishmash of other pieces that don't scare you all that much. My initial reaction was, I think we're better than they are. And (laughs) a little bit crazy maybe to say you're better than a preseason top five team, but consider this. Michigan State, I think, went 9-11 and in the Big Ten last year. And yes, they did make a deeper run than any other Big Ten team, though that is a really skinniest kid at fat camp argument. This is what Tom Izzo does. I don't know if this Michigan State team is really a Big Ten contender in the way that we thought they were. What they do have is good. The guards we know are good. But there are way too many questions, and a lot of them younger guys, to make me think that they are something you can rely on quite as much as, yes, an Illinois team that might have positional, huh, what's the point guard situation? I mean, they might have some of that, but it does feel like there might be more consistency amongst or across the board to the 8, 9, and 10 deep than maybe in Michigan State where there are 5, 6, and 7 guys in the 8 deep are either brand new pieces or thrust into a role that they were not in last year. 
They're going to be good, Michigan State. They're going to be top four in the Big Ten, of course. But I do think we're seeing some separation here. I think you're seeing Purdue at the very top, and they are the safe and easy pick to win the Big Ten, and that is understandable. I think Michigan State, I don't really buy them, but will they go 12-8, and 13-7? and Maybe. I, I could maybe see that. That leaves two teams that I think are really the wild cards here, and that's Maryland. And talk about athleticism and size. They have that in spades. And an older team to boot, and Illinois, in this weird kind of position where you are kind of a fun, sort of dangerous I don't think the expectation should be Big Ten Championship. I certainly don't have that. And I would be borderline shocked. Or I should say very surprised, because shock is a very strong word for an Illinois team that already beat in an exhibition game, mind you, but already beat the number one team in the nation. We know they're capable. We know on a given night their strengths match up well against almost anybody else. But there is the track record, too, of Underwood, which on the whole is good, but does have this weird ability to kind of lull in December and January. And what this Illinois team cannot afford, if they're going to be in any sort of Big Ten race, is that early lull. Now, it turns out the early game against Rutgers, it is at Rutgers, and I don't necessarily expect a win, but Rutgers is not as good as I thought. I think the the stud five-star guys they have coming in are next year. So this might be a weird transition year for Peichel and Rutgers. Tough game, nonetheless, on December 2nd, but one that maybe you can get a win. The second Big Ten game in December that escapes me at the moment But if you can just avoid the 0-2 Big Ten start, if you can somehow get an early win, let alone an early road win, and then along the way in the non-conference, continue to build that confidence, which maybe you don't need for a Terrence Shannon or a Coleman Hawkins. Maybe you don't even need that for a Quincy Guerrier. But I do think for the jump up in competition, a Marcus Damask, as seasoned as he looks, could use some more reaffirmation that, yeah, you are good enough to beat the likes of a Tennessee or a Marquette. Or Missouri, who will be pretty good this year, too. Same goes for Ty Rogers, who's thrust into a bigger role this year. Same goes for Dre Gibbs Longhorn, the story of Monday night. Freshman point guard, That do we expect him to be that good every night? Of course not. But to see that spark and see the ability of a guy that was a big question mark coming into the season at a position where you have the biggest question mark of all was pretty darn encouraging. All in all, on a 1-10 to scale, I think this Illinois team is somewhere between a 7.5 and a really solid 8. And I do think that there is a potential for movement above that. And I don't think there's too much potential to go much lower than that because of all the knowns that you do, in fact, have. What that leads me to believe is that this season overall will be more consistent. It leads me to believe that there won't be any games you go into saying, nah, we aren't going to win this. But (sighs) what's best-case scenario? That's why I even broached the idea of a Big Ten title. I do think that could be in a best-case scenario conversation because Purdue, good as they looked and as good as they will continue to look, can they run it back and expect the same results in the Big Ten? Will we finally see some uh, differentiation in the way the teams decide to face up against Purdue defensively? There was a really interesting stat, and I don't know if it was Isaac Trotter or Derek Piper that had this, but um, Mike Latulip and Jeremy Warner were talking about this. In Purdue losses and Purdue wins, Zach Eady's stats were the exact same. So is it even really about Zach Eady? He is what he is. He's a freak. You aren't going to ever stop him. So what about the other guys? Can you contain the Braden Smiths of the world, right? 
or the the lawyer kid, Fletcher Lawyer. What a name for a Purdue guy. It just seems too perfect. Can he contain guys like that and really force their hand to only go to Edie down low? And I do think there is a potential formula where you make them sweat. Can Illinois be that team that surprises and contends? I think we'll have a pretty good idea about that midway through December. After you've gone through the gauntlet and if you've seen you could withstand that yearly swoon that Underwood teams have, and if in fact this team is older and smarter. I think there's a chance they are, and I'm excited to get their Friday night against Oakland and see it firsthand for myself. All right, now I will be honest with you. It's a good night to have Harry Black on the show because since the uh, Minnesota game on Saturday, my voice has been... Not great. Now, I do think it was exacerbated by screaming at the top of my lungs, along with everybody else in the garage, when Isaiah Williams caught the game when he touched down. We, we were going crazy. Felt great. Mixed that with a bit of a cough. I, I don't want to sound too much like Tom Waits. So fortunately, I get to converse with Harry Black here in a bit. He can spell me a bit as we talk more in depth about Illinois football. But I do want to remind you, before we switch gears to football here, that the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Hopefully Saturday, I hope for the love of God, you can get a celebratory calzone at DP Doe. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Custom zones with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone, two of our favorites when we were young whippersnappers at the University of Illinois and we ordered DP Doe. It's still around 16, 17 years later. dpdoe.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. They are the best to work with. Got our furnace check scheduled for later this week, and they will be in to make sure that our furnace continues to work perfectly, which it did last year. And I know for as old as an HVAC unit as we have, their expertise at this sort of thing is giving us a lot of peace of mind. You know, we don't want to have to buy a new furnace until we have to. And they were totally reasonable with prices. They were totally honest with their um, service and what they saw from our system. And whatever they tweaked worked out beautifully. I can vouch for them two years working with Dogtown. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. Also, Owen Builders LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com. These guys are great at home additions, decks and patios. There's a gallery of their work online at owenbuildersllc.com. Another thing about Luke Owen and their staff, the communication piece is second to none, and that is what separates them from a lot of contractors. Not dissing on contractors. They're busy, but communication is not always their strong suit, and when you've got a job to get done, that can be frustrating. You don't need to worry about that with Luke and his staff. OwenBuildersLLC.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at BrianIsMyGuy.com. It's Life Auto Home, Business Renters, you name it. He's our guy and can be your guy as well. And uh, maybe see Brian out in the lots here on Saturday. What looks to be a beautiful Saturday ahead of the Illinois-Indiana game. And I can say this in terms of him as our insurance agent. He'll be our guy for a long time. The great State Farm prices, of course, but a great staff as well that are so communicative and will take care of any of your insurance needs. That is brianismyguy.com. All right, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate them and appreciate you as well if you can give us a rating and review wherever you listen to our podcast. All right. One sec here. <clears throat> Dry throat for sure. Going to take a drink of water. I know this is not compelling podcasting. But why pause? Why not leave the gnat sound in there? Illinois has to beat Indiana. Let's call it what it is. They got to win. There are many reasons why. 
The obvious reason is if you want to make a bowl game, I think it's probably in your best interest to win this game. I think that Illinois will compete and have a chance to win at Iowa. I think they will. Would not be surprised in the least bit if Illinois does win at Iowa. And I don't care how bad Iowa's offense is. That would feel great. But you just don't want to go in the last two games having to win both. I wouldn't put it past this team to do that. But why not give yourself a chance at seven wins? Why not give yourself a little bit of margin for error? So, yes, you have to win for bowl chances. Let's get that out of the way. I think you got to win for the fan base. What do I mean by that? This is a weird kind of mulligan for Illinois football. Playing Indiana is not as exciting as playing Wisconsin. And Dad's Day, as big as it is, is not as big as homecoming. But it's still pretty big. And it's still a winnable game. And it's still a game that can get you back to 500 and and bring some good vibes back into a program that, through the first six games, had lost all of the good vibes. So I do think that this is a rare opportunity, a second chance to get people pumped again. Not to mention, as I did in the sponsors there, the weather is going to be great. This is going to be a perfect fall day. Yeah, I know it's 78 degrees right now. I'd love that too, but it's windy as all get out. I don't want my canopy to have any more damage, which it, between the Michigan State game last year and the Wisconsin game this year, there's been a few nuts and bolts that have probably gotten loose because of the wind. None of that on Saturday. Nice chill in the air in the morning. 52 degrees and sunny. No wind. Hardly any wind. And sunny. Did I mention sunny? It's going to be a perfect day for football. The vibes will be very good around the stadium and in the stadium. 11 a.m. kick. Love that. Why wait? Your last 11 a.m. kick, I believe, uh, well, there was Purdue, but the last 11 a.m. kick when there was beautiful weather and there was some extra juice in the stands, Minnesota. To me, this reminds me a little bit more of going into that Saturday last year against Minnesota where the vibes were good after a big win and you in late game heroics as well. The Iowa game last year kind of set you up well for that Minnesota game and then This win last week at Minnesota sets you up well for this one, I think. Now, losing this, if we can broach that for a second, I don't want to say does irreparable harm because I don't even know what irreparable harm looks like. There are always going to be Illini football fans that will be there through thick and thin. God bless them. And I'm pretty much that, though. I know I get criticized sometimes for leaving at halftime of a bad game or expressing my distaste of being in one stadium for four freaking hours, right? That's not always my thing. But for Saturday, it will be. There's going to be some genuine excitement in the air and and this feeling that, hey, we got an opportunity here. But if you squander that, I do worry, one, what that means for Northwestern, which is not going to be a great crowd anyway. But what that also means for the casual fan that is going to say, oh my God, I got bamboozled again. How could I be so foolish? Now, don't don't get it twisted. There's a part of me that's thinking, Carp, don't be fooled again. You saw this with Wisconsin. You saw this last year with Michigan State. You saw this with Rutgers a couple years ago. When the vibes are good and they come back home, more often than not, it doesn't go well. Bear in mind this as well. Brett Bielema in home Big Ten games is 4-8. Four 4-8. and, eight. Four and eight. What are those wins? Hmm. His very first game against Nebraska. So he's 3-8 and eight in Big Ten home games since then. Great on the road. Just got to figure out the home thing. Let's see the other three. Iowa, Minnesota. Northwestern two years ago. That's it. Eight home Big Ten losses. 33% at home 
in Big Ten games. It it boggles the mind. You lose this game, and now it is a thing. It's a narrative. Because losing to Wisconsin, even a Wisconsin team that is not as good as previous Wisconsin teams, they still got the W on their helmet. They're Wisconsin. It's a football program. It sucks, but you can live with it. Losing to Indiana, even a plucky Indiana team that's playing pretty good ball right now, you cannot afford that. The hit and perception amongst fans that would otherwise want to come see you play would be a disaster. So yeah, I started with the bowl game and, and why you need to win this game. We, we know that. But as I so often do with the macro part of it, my concern goes beyond just the bowl game. My concern goes to if you really want to build positive momentum amongst your fans, you got to start winning these home games. You just have to. Do I think they do? I think they do. There's a part of me that thinks the way that last week ended, there's no way in hell they're losing this game. There's no way. That there is something to be said about really finally releasing all the pent-up frustration from the season up to that point. Maryland did it to an extent, and that's why you saw such a hot start against Wisconsin. And yes, I don't want to blame the refs. I'm not going to do that. I think we need to shut up about the refs. But let's just say Johnny Newton doesn't commit that targeting. You win that game. As we saw against Minnesota, defense with Johnny Newton looked amazing. 60 yards given up, 66 or something in the second half. It is a different defense with him out there. He'll be out there all game, knock on wood, right? No penalties, no injuries. Don't know what the quarterback situation is yet, That we know Brett Bielema said that Luke will be part of the game plan. Does that mean concussion? I, I don't know what it means, but they sounded optimistic Monday, and I know there'll be one more, I believe, press availability tomorrow about that on Thursday. But this is really an opportunity to just feel good. Imagine this for a second. 2.30, Illinois beats Indiana 27-20. 27-21. Frankly, the margin doesn't matter. I don't think fans need a close win is fine. Fans recognize Indiana's playing better, but you just can't lose to them. So imagine then, on a sun-soaked November afternoon, heading back out to your tailgate. 5-5, five and five, at Iowa Northwestern ahead. Two teams that can't score to save their lives. That's a fun Saturday. That's why we follow football. It's enough for what this year was at the beginning. This is enough. Yeah, we're, we're going with the curve here, right? We're going curved grading. We're, oh, you started two and four, so therefore six and six will be enough. Yes, we will litigate that opening six-game stretch at the end of the season. And did it have any negative impacts on this program going forward? But I don't really know if it does so much if you overcome it. Finish four and two in your last six. Maybe five and one, we'll see. And I also think there's something to be said about this team overall. The last three games has looked better. They've looked pretty good, except for one quarter. So what does that mean? 11 out of 12 quarters have been pretty good. I, I really think even against Minnesota, when it looked like you were going to lose, what would have made that loss even more frustrating is it felt and looked like you were the better team. Overall, right? And the Isaiah Williams fumble was a gut punch. And the um, interception before that was a what the heck. There were enough plays to make you think, oh man, are we, are we really that good? 
I don't think the question is, is Illinois good this year? I think the question is, are they good enough to achieve some level of success? And that's okay for fans. I really do think that's okay. Closing out strong, it's right there in front of them. What I'm most anxious to see on Saturday, do we see a repeat of the Wisconsin game? Pre-fourth quarter, okay? Johnny Newton, let's assume he stays out in the entire game. Do we see a repeat of that where you come out with inspired ball? Where you keep an Indiana offense that while they have been plucky, they are not killing it in terms of yardage gained or anything. I know their quarterback is better, but I think you can keep Soresby and most things in front of you. I think you can get to him with your defensive line. Is there a chance you can replay that script of Wisconsin and this time get it right? I think there is. And hey, you don't need to worry about the wind or any of that. No, no weather factor here. It was funny when I was texting with the guys earlier today and I told Trevor, give me 50 and no wind over 75 and super windy. We've seen enough windy games in the stadium that have adversely affected Illinois. Don't need to worry about that. No, this is straight up football. And now it's just a question of which team makes more plays. I think Illinois man-to-man is a better team. I think they have more playmakers on both sides of the ball. And I hope to God they have the better coaching staff. I hope to God. It's time for them to show that. And I do think that Lunny has had a pretty good three-game stretch. I think that Aaron Henry, when Johnny Newton's out there, has looked pretty good as a play caller as well. And you're starting to see things coalesce a little bit. But it's not real. It's not real until they can win two in a row. It's not real until they can get back to 500. That's all we're asking. I think it's reasonable. And I think we get it on Saturday. So we're going to get Harry here in a second. Talk to him about what he thinks. Because I just can't fathom. Well, I no, I can fathom, but I don't want to. What it would be like losing and walking out into the lots, four and six, losing to Indiana. I don't want to think about that. I will say I would find something darkly comic about it. And I know that sounds like really carp, like would you actually, I think I would have to train myself to laugh at it because it would just be such a freaking buzzkill. But as an Illinois football fan, if you ask me, have you seen worse? Hell yeah. Have you been more disappointed? Hell yeah. The Wisconsin game a couple weeks ago, it sucked. Sucked even more after the fact. But leaving that stadium, I'm like, hey, that's like number 23 on disappointments leaving the stadium. I've seen worse. I've been hurt worse. Don't need to wear a cup or anything. I am I'm fully prepared for the rug to be pulled out from under me. But what if we get the alternative and what this Illinois team finally, after all this time at home, puts it together in a way that is encouraging, builds confidence among the fan base, and gets you a little bit excited to tune in for the Iowa game. Five and five going into Iowa. A chance to lock up bowl eligibility at Kinnick. Against an Iowa team and an offense that's just abysmal. Yeah, their defense is great. They can't score. If you score 10 points at Iowa, you got a 50-50 shot of winning. 10. And I actually think Illinois has a few players that can help them do that. So, <clears throat> that's where I'm at. And I hope to God they, they prove me right. I really do. Um, because I don't think it is a foolish call to predict Illinois to win. Vegas, for example, seven-point spread at the start, six and a half now. I think that that's reasonable. Would I pick it? Eh, I'd maybe avoid it because I do think this could be, like I said, 27-20, something like that. 
I think Indiana's good enough where it might be hard to blow them out. But I do think there are paths where we can see a game where we feel good about it for most of it. I mean, that's what, again, that's what Wisconsin was until it wasn't. And let's just not have any of those moments on Saturday where you think, oh God. I will ask one last thing of Illini fans. You're four and five, okay? You aren't competing for a Big Ten championship. And this is me telling fans how to fan for a little bit, and I know that I get on Robert from um, Illini a lot for this. Don't try not to, let me say, fall into the trap that, oh God, it's happening again. Because here's the deal. Even if it was, like let's say Indiana pulls up a comeback, even if it was, how hurt are you actually going to be? How much is that really going to mess up your day? What I think happens is, and I've been guilty as anybody about this, you can envision the loss and how pissed off you're going to be about it. So what it turns into in the stadium is, oh my God, here we go again. We need to try against our best instincts to not fall into that. Oh God, here we go again. Try our best, Alani fans. Positivity. Do I believe in the power of positive thinking? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But there is something to be said of a, a toxic cloud of doom that wafts over the sidelines when the crowd of Memorial Stadium is thinking, it's happening again. Let's try against our instincts to not feel that way, even if there's a bad call from the officials or something like that. Let's, let's try it. Positive thinking, Illini fans, right? I'll get off my high horse. You fan however the hell you want to fan. If you want to be like, oh God, here we go again, you do you. But I'm just going to be a happy guy and even happier if they win. All right, let's see if we can get Harry Black on without any <clears throat> technical difficulties here. Okay, this might work. This might work, Harry Black. This is the uh, nice Nat sound as we're trying to get everybody hooked up. Let's get Harry unmuted. There he is. Uh, the Nat sound. Can you hear me okay, Harry? Yeah, I can hear you. Great, I can hear you as well. We're getting good levels here, so... Um, Harry, I'm so glad you're on for a couple reasons. One, my voice sucks. And after a 30-minute opening segment, I'm like, yay, I can talk with <laughs> someone else. I, I got a question to start with, though, because what I was talking about just in the last few minutes was how the last three games have been kind of what we thought we were going to get in the beginning of the season. And minus the fourth quarter against Wisconsin, I really do think you played 11 pretty good quarters of Big Ten West football, whatever that means. So going into this Indiana game, how much of a different vibe do you have watching this team than, let's say, after the Purdue or after the Nebraska games? It is it is a weird kind of place that you're in right now because starting with Maryland the last three games, I mean, two and one is kind of what you should be, honestly, because I was thinking about this. As cool as the last game was, that Minnesota, the end of that game was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Uh, as an Illini alum and an Illini fan, but really you should have lost that and you should have won Wisconsin. So two and one with the way that you've played these last three games is about right. And if you said that at the beginning of the season, you'd say you'll take that. And if you said that after um, Nebraska, right, is who we lost to the week before Maryland. If you said that after Nebraska, you'd take that a hundred times out of a hundred because I mean, this team, the, the way they've kind of, I guess, switched gears since the end of that Nebraska game, um, I think that's a credit to coaching. It's kind of reminiscent of how they 
kind of righted the ship towards the end of that uh, 2021 season. Obviously, the Maryland wind is not as uh, as big as the Penn State one was as far as like shock factor. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's similar to that. And hey, man, <laughs> three weeks ago, if you would have said you have to win two of your last three to win a bowl game or get into a bowl game, you'd say, OK, well, I mean, it's not ideal at the beginning of the season, but we'll take it now. You know, we even said that, I think, in our season preview where we're eyeing the Indiana Northwestern games and thinking if you just get to that, like even worst case scenario, you're four and five and you got Indiana Northwestern there. So here we are. Now I will say the Iowa game all of a sudden looks a lot more winnable. I, I It's just that their offense is abysmal, but we can get to that in a second. As I look at these three games, though, the one thing we didn't count on was Indiana being plucky, being tough. Yeah. Now, you might have watched a little bit of them. You might have watched not any of them. But what's your concern level? I mean, because I do think, Harry, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, I do think timing's everything. I kind of like playing them after a win against Wisconsin. I kind of like the fact that they got the win last week against Wisconsin for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, because then you look at this team as a team that still has something to play for because they aren't mathematically eliminated from a uh, from a bowl appearance yet. And they're looking at their schedule and they're saying, I'm not sure who they have sandwiched between us and um, – us and and Purdue at the end of the season. I mean, for all I know, it could be Ohio State, in which case this is all moot. But they're looking, saying we need to win everything, and two of these next three games, that's definitely a possibility. Um, I mean, I think it's it's kind of I, – I like that you're getting a team that you could see as being able to spring the upset because they went into Camp Randall last week, and I don't care if Wisconsin's not good. It's not an easy place to play. Especially it was at home. For, it was at home. It was in Bloomington. Yeah, it was in Bloomington, and oh, okay. and one other thing, and I, I don't want to, di- I don't want to belittle the win, right? You know, I love the hangover effect. I love that <laughs> narrative. I do think Wisconsin probably post Ohio State had a bit of that. Not to mention Braylon Allen didn't play, but I don't care where that game's played. Indiana's lot in life as a football program. Anytime they beat Wisconsin, that's a big win. I mean, we couldn't even do it this year. Yeah, I mean, well, then, you know, excuse my, I, I don't know why, I, thought, I guess they just kind of both look similar in that it's, um, red. what is it, red and white. Yeah, it's just whatever. Um, not the same team, not even close. But no, I mean, the, the way I'm kind of looking at it now and hopefully the way that some of the guys on the team are looking at it is a couple of years ago when Purdue kind of started coming up and uh, about a little bit. Uh, they, I remember there was one game they hung in there with Michigan, and then they obviously had the big win against Ohio State. But then they, I think, got beat by 30 by a very mediocre Minnesota team. And the reason I think something like that would have happened is because you saw that you can't take a team like this lightly. This is a team that they won last week, like we said. And two weeks ago, they were some very conservative uh, coaching away from taking the lead in the fourth quarter against Penn State. So I could see this very well as a game where if you take them seriously, which they should, which we should, I could definitely see this being a game where Indiana fans are saying, I mean, Jesus, we just we beat Wisconsin last week and two weeks ago we hung in there with um, with Penn State. Why are we losing the, to Illinois by two touchdowns? Uh, I also do think it's one of the, the few times this year that you are going to have the um, the advantage athletically. Now, obviously, that didn't help uh, Wisconsin, but you know you, you got to just hope that we're looking at the mistake Wisconsin made in 
probably taking Indiana a little bit lightly and saying, can't afford to do that because the last thing you want to do is be in a must-win situation with two more to go because, I mean, Iowa, as bad as they've looked, and the live total in the fourth quarter, by the way, last week when they were playing Northwestern was <laughs> seven and a half because the game was uh. seven to zero. So, I, I mean, if you're in a situation – where you need to win your last two, that's not ideal. And obviously, that's not going to be the case if they take care of business this week. Yeah, the over-under, the lowest over-under in Power 5 football history since gambling's become a thing, 28.5 for Rutgers, Iowa. Yeah. And I would probably still take the under. Uh, the, the crazy thing to me that just occurred to me, Harry, Indiana's gotten, between the Penn State game and the Wisconsin game, I mentioned timing is everything, right? They also got Penn State the week after Penn State lost at Ohio State. Hangover narrative. Again, I'm not. This might sound like I'm trying to rationalize a win that Illinois can get and maybe even have some comfort. So let imagine the Wisconsin game minus the fourth quarter. Like that was with that was well in hand, and you saw Illinois finally kind of play loose and and just look really good until the Johnny Newton play. So I look at that and think, well, wait a second. Indiana, yes, they're plucky. Yes, they're playing better. They are not the absolute pits of the Big Ten. We would agree with that. But when you get Penn State after Penn State lost a heartbreaker or just kind of a a rough game at Ohio State, when you get Wisconsin minus their top running back after their biggest home game all year against Ohio State, do you think there's, this is a theory on the fly here, but do you think there's anything about playing a team the week after that team played like a top three quality team? Are you going to get that opponent's best shot are they going to be a little bit weary or worse for wear from having played the likes of an Ohio State before that oh yeah I mean well it's 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 kind of I mean still kind of falls under the umbrella of the of the hangover right you're putting everything out there that you possibly can um in order to um you know I mean you're, you're talking about how Penn State played Ohio State and then immediately the week after they had to go they faced Indiana right right yeah, and how do you yeah, get I how mean, do you get up for that if you're Penn State? Well, exactly because the way you're looking at it isn't um, it's not okay. We just beat Ohio State, and now we're 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 just got to keep the ship rolling and everything. And you know the the Big Ten East is on is in our hands. It's essentially like you said. How do you get up for that? Because now you're in a situation for Penn State where you're playing for a New Year's Six bowl where the aspirations a week ago were were playing for. Um, we're playing for for the conference. We're playing for the college football playoff. And when you go up against a team that, you know, you really should never think this, but the thought process going into that game is we can probably sleep. This is Indiana. I mean, we've beaten Indiana a million non-COVID games in a row. We can trot out there, you know, still licking our wounds from last week and get the, and get the dub. And, I mean, that barely was true. Um, and that's, I think, a big reason of why Penn State was still able to win that game, you know, as ugly as it looked. Um, and, it, you know, thankfully for, for, you know, for Illinois, this past game was a, it was a great game. It wasn't one that necessarily you had to, quote unquote, get up for. It was just one that you had you knew you had to have. You still know you need to have this upcoming one. And, um, and I would imagine them to come out the same way that had the last three weeks. And if they do that, I think they can win by a couple scores. You know, mentioning the emotional part of it here, I'm watching the end of last week and immediately, apart from being speechless afterwards, because it was the most, you know, Michigan State 2019 was nuts. That was a quarter, a quarter long comeback or a quarter and a half. 
This was a minute. And less than that, a minute and a half left on the game clock when Paddock comes in, 40 seconds of game clock later, you have the lead. I've never, I have never, ever seen something like that. I mean, I remember we, I was in, um, I was at work and I was in one of our control rooms uh, getting ready for, um, what was the game? I was getting ready for Washington, USC. And so on one of the TVs, obviously I have the Illinois game and before the, uh, before the Isaiah fumble, I was just thinking, man, we're going to punt this away. They're going to go down, take some time and kick a field goal. And that's going to, and then we're not going to be able to go down the field and, and be able to get this done because I, I just had that feeling. Then they scored the touchdown. And I actually said, and God, I love that I'm wrong now. I said to another guy in the room, is it bad that we have the ball with over a minute left, plenty of time to score a touchdown, and I just know what the outcome is going to be? Because we had seen it so many times where you have the ability or you have the opportunity to do what we did the other day. And, I, I mean, God, the fact that a backup quarterback, too, comes in and is able to do that, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen anything like that. For Illinois, I've never seen anything like that. You know, for a team that I root for, and um, you know, this 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 season is kind of coming down to, you know, you're going to look back at certain moments. You have the Casey Washington uh, catch the week one. You have the game winning field goal against Maryland. You're going to look at that um, that fourth and eleven and that Isaiah Williams uh, touchdown against Minnesota. I hope it's not. You know, we don't need any nail biting moments like that against Indiana or Northwestern. But, you know, I mean, hey, man, credit, they were able to do it. I, like you said, I've never I was I wouldn't say speechless because I was going, oh, my God, holy, you know what, for, you know, a good couple of minutes. But yeah. that's pretty much the uh, the extent of it. So in terms of the emotional, how you get back from a game like that, I actually think that let's say this were the Michigan State game 2019. Now, Illinois did come back the next week and they beat Rutgers at home. I be, or actually, no, that's not true. No, yeah, because we got we were bull. I think Michigan State was the last win we had of the season. It was the last of the rate, and then it was a bye week, and then at Iowa, Northwestern home. So you were yeah. six and four going into a late bye week. But here's where I think that's a little bit different: is that comeback was also mentally and physically taxing. I feel like the late comeback against Minnesota, with the quickness and just the the shock value of it, you know. I don't know if there is going to be the same sort of hangover that you would normally see from a full-throated comeback attempt because, in actuality, I think if you play that game 10 times and those two teams play about the same way that they did, Illinois is winning six or seven, which, in other words, I think that Illinois looked better. I think they outplayed Minnesota for the most part. I think the better team won, and by getting that late score, all it did to Illinois was reaffirm, hey— yeah, we overcame a few mistakes late, but overall, we were the better team again. Let's clean those up, and we're on the right track. I I, I feel like this is not some sort of uh, the same sort of monumental comeback that really just kind of clouds the next week's worth of preparation. I could be wrong about that, though. No, I mean, I mean, look at the way like, exactly like you said against Michigan State in 2019. The feeling after a game like that. Now, that one obviously had the um, the the added, I guess you would call it, carrot of making a bowl game or becoming uh, bowl eligible. Uh, when that game ends, you become bowl eligible and you just set the biggest comeback in Illinois football history. So there's almost like a feeling of finality to it of, oh, my God, you know what? We, we, we climbed the mountain and it's over. We, we did it. We got to bowl eligible. And, and I would imagine 
there's a little bit of, like you say, you got to come back from that. You know, you work that hard to get there. Whereas the, the way the other game ended the other day against Minnesota, you still have, you still got ways to go. You still got to win two of these next three games at least. And it wasn't as, you know, physically taxing in that you literally were climbing out of the hole that you dug. It was one score. It was a, it was a fantastic last minute and it was an improbable, but as far as, you know, a comebacks comeback, you know, you, you, you needed one play really. Whereas in the Michigan state game, you needed, you needed like, God, you needed like five or six, one play moments. You needed the, the matter of long touchdown. You needed the fourth and whatever it was. You needed the pass interference. You needed the uh, the Sydney Brown pick six. This one was just Isaiah. That when that happened, then you were able, to, you know, then obviously the added drive on on the next uh, next possession for your defense. But as far as physically taxing, it's not the uh, it's not necessarily the same in that way. You know, I think one thing that's made everything different for this team, Caden Fagan. You have a running back, and My God. and it's just watching him, Harry. Like he can get hit a, a yard behind the line of scrimmage, and he gains three. And and it, that those aren't the sexiest runs, I understand, but there's something so. Oh, I remember that Chase Brown did that, which makes you think, okay, well, that's really how last year's team did it. The offensive line certainly got better last year, but were they ever great? I don't know. In hindsight, maybe not. You're seeing the difference a good running back can make, and I guess from an offensive lineman's perspective, you know, how much easier does that make your job when you know the guy behind you is six four two forty and is a freaking bulldozer? I mean, it, it does help. It does help. It both helps, you know, the confidence in the um, in the play calling because then they know that hey, we can get similar blocking to what we've had, and this guy's going to hit the hole at a hundred miles an hour, and he's as big as he is. And I mean, hell, man, people people really underestimate the importance of those short two, three, four yard runs because first and ten, second and eight, third and five. You didn't have anything sexy there, but third and five is a hell of a lot more manageable than third and seven, third and ten. And if you can get yourself into that situation, and that's like the worst case scenario, if if Fagan's hitting the hole, a properly blocked offensive you know scheme, and he's getting three yards, you're going to take that. If you're, you're going to take that on first down, you're going to take that on second down because you're giving yourself an opportunity then in um in, in continuing the drive every time. And as far as like the confidence for an offensive lineman. Hell yeah. I mean, I mean, if you know that you block your guy or if you just are able to maybe match up and get some drive and this guy's coming at a hundred miles an hour that they're not going to be able to put out an arm and maybe muck something up. Cause he's going to run right through that. It, it helps your confidence because you know, you just, you just know you have not, I'm not going to say an extra lineman back there, but you have a big guy who's uh, who's trying to move the sticks. I'm going to get his X's and O's as I've ever gotten on this podcast. I usually leave that for Jeremy and his when he talks to Jay Lehman or something. But Jay Lehman said that after the Maryland game, a big thing he saw was the offensive line went to a gap blocking scheme instead of a zone blocking scheme. Is there a way that you can kind of, uh, like on Reddit, they have explained like I'm five. Is there a way that you can kind of do that for the football layman like myself? What is the primary difference between we're going to run gap blocking or we're going to run zone blocking. If I remember correctly, a, a zone block essentially means that you are, you're going, you're blocking a, a, um, a running play based on your footwork. You are going, you know, for me, if we're doing zone blocking to the right, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to see if there's anyone who's on my left side, like right there. I'm going to help maybe with the, uh, the backside guard. If, uh, if that's where my nearest defender is, 
if I see that maybe the guy on my right were running zone into, say, a, a, a two-eye or a nose technique, which is going to be the guy on the inside eye of the guard or on my outside eye, I know that I need to help him. We're both working to the right. We're, our, this is zone. Our footwork is both going to the right, and we are trying to move this one guy up to the second level. Uh, and you know, hopefully one of us gets off and gets a linebacker. Gap blocking, that a lot of times the play that we would run with that would be a um that's power, that that would be our power. And and that would be where, say, I'm blocking down so that the um the guard on the left is able to maybe pull and come around. And he he's going to um, you know, he's he's coming around, he's looking for a linebacker, um, you know, and he's kind of leading the way for the running back. I personally, I mean if I if I'm remembering correctly, because you know this Swiss cheese brain of mine tries its damnedest to remember back in uh, you know my playing days. I mean, if, if you're able to run the power of the uh, the power effectively, the uh, the gap blocking, then that really that you should be able to get like two or three yards at least. That's why you know I've, I've seen where you know it's second and three or third and two. A lot now. I don't like it on the goal line because that's when guys can just straight submarine. But yeah. if you if you're running the power on third and one, third and two, you should be able to get that uh, that guard pulled around and really maybe get some uh, some push and, and get two three yards because it's an ugly play. It's not supposed to be something that breaks it loose. That's kind of when you're doing zone blocking. You're trying to you know get your guys up to the second level. You're really trying to make it so that you're you're trying to bust something loose. Um, you know those are your when you see the bigger runs, that's because you're usually zone blocking. A, uh, a power-based play, you just want to be able to you know, get the dirty yards. Yeah, there's something simplistic. Just by that definition, there's something very simplistic about it where it's just beat your man. And I kind of like that approach for an offensive line that lacked an identity early. You know, the other yeah. thing about Caden Fagan, too, is he's fast. <laughs> His touchdown. He's, so, he's big and he's fast. I mean, I heard oh. both. I was listening to uh, Brian Barnhart. Six four two thirty or two four no six four two fifty I think that might be that's like that's like the size of Cam Newton and I mean yeah if we oh my goodness and he's a freshman this he oof, he could this could be the beginning of like a really really yeah he could be really good I, I do think it's a cornerstone of any good Bielema team so I think the emergence of him does so much to kind of assuage my fears that oh what if it doesn't work with Bielema I think you're you're your floor with a Brett Bielema team when you have a good running back is so much higher because everything else that yeah. they want to do seems to kind of fall with that. And I will say to that, Luke Altmeyer, since Caden Fagan's been in there, I think he's been playing really good ball. Now, I do know late there were a couple of those, oh, Luke, you know, I mean, yes, that happened late and Minnesota was starting to get pressure. Um, their D line, I think, might have been wearing our offensive line down a little bit late in pass blocking, but Man, Harry, I thought Luke looked so freaking good for the first three quarters. And talk about a guy you can build around. I understand some people's reluctance because of his turnover proneness, if that's a word. But I, I just think this kid's a player. He's got a great arm, and he's. I think the decision making overall is getting better. Yeah, I mean, the way you look at this kid is he, he's. It's, it's. We, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the season, and obviously, it's not on the same scale. But, I mean, you look at some of the guys in, in the NFL even these days, and some of the bigger playmakers are the bigger risk takers. You know, Mahomes throws interceptions. Josh Allen throws a lot of interceptions. 
then we almost we almost criticize the guys that are known for being more conservative. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, he throws a short, he throws, he dumps, he's king, uh, king check down or Alex Smith or Jared Goff. These aren't the guys that they're, they're the conservative ones. They're the ones that are going to keep, keep you the ball. But the ones who take the chances and make the bigger plays are naturally going to be the guys that are turning over the ball more. Obviously, the exception is uh, Aaron Rodgers, but he's Aaron Rodgers. But when you have Luke and he's going out there and he's able to make plays, I mean, we've seen the we've seen the alternate, the alternative that's been other quarterbacks that we've had in the past. And I mean, last year we were able to have as good a season as we were with Tommy DeVito at the helm. Um, but obviously everything we all ha- uh, had also on, um, on defense as well as Chase Brown in the backfield kind of made up for that lack of maybe explosiveness. I think Luke going forward, I mean, if you just if you polish him and you are able to work out some of those turnovers, I mean, I could only imagine he's going to be still slinging it the same way he is. If I were to tell you right now that next year you return these three guys on offense, Luke Altmeyer, Caden Fagan, Isaiah Williams, Regardless of anything else you know about next year's team, how much does that raise the four for you if you feel like you got the QB, running back, and wide receiver one? I mean, I think it helps. I mean, how could it not? I mean, I think if you're if you're able to bring back uh, Isaiah, first off, I mean, that's a situation where I'm not going to put him on the same tier maybe. But, I mean, as far as an Illini goes, he is right there. Um, you know, like when Io came back, you knew – like he was going to have a huge season. If Isaiah comes back, I feel like it would kind of on a smaller scale be a similar thing because it's good. It would be a situation of, Oh wow, that is a huge piece that we're able to get back. We still have talent on um, at, at quarterback. We still have a young running back. We got the three playmakers we need now. I'm pretty sure you're bringing back. Um, Bryant mm-hmm. is in a, um, he's not, he's not a junior. I, I don't, well, I don't think he's, he's not okay. an underclassman or an upperclassman, I should say, to where he's going to graduate or, or go, you know, go pro. I think that's huge. I think it's huge because, you know, exactly what I just said, you're able to get that guy coming in with to a season. Um, Isaiah specifically, where you're saying this guy's primed to have, he's not going to say a breakout season. He's going to, he's primed to have an, a huge season. If Johnny Newton stays in the Wisconsin game, does Illinois win that? Uh, <laughs> I think so. I, I, I asked mean, that Harry because in trying to prognosticate the rest of the year, the thing that is keeping us from going, we're going to go on a heater is the Wisconsin fourth quarter. Now, my biggest objection to that, I, I hate the rule. I know it was called according to the letter of the law, but I hate the rule, the disqualification. We want to call roughing 15 yards. Fine. Don't disqualify him. But take away that quarter and we can attribute that defensive breakdown and and I'll be honest at Memorial Stadium just the overall feeling that it's happening again you know just the doom and gloom in there started with that play so take that away and now let's presume that he stays in the game you beat Wisconsin you're entering these three games now on a three-game winning streak which was the more likely outcome than losing that Wisconsin game I feel like Illini fans might be a little bit less reluctant to say, yeah, we can actually end on a bit of a heater here. I, I, I guess what I'm saying, Harry, is are we understating how much better they've been overall? I, I don't think so. I don't think so because I think, I think the last two games, in a way, even themselves out. You know, we were supposed to beat Wisconsin. We were not supposed to beat Minnesota. 
that was I mean that that the way the Wisconsin game ended as good as the last 11 quarters have been and for the most part they've been you know not like I say flawless but they've been as good as you could hope to be as an Illini fan that fourth quarter in the Wisconsin game as good as those other 11 were that's how bad it was and I think it part of me wants to say nah you know there was plenty of other plays that could have been made in that Wisconsin game after Johnny went out but a, like you always say, the feeling, the kind of gasp, the kind of murmurs that are going around that stadium once he leads the game. And if you just watch, I mean, there's no there's no pressure. There's no pressure on the quarterback for the rest of the game. And that is that is huge, especially against a, a backup, you know, in as hostile as it is hostile territory, because I believe that was our that was homecoming. So that's a good crowd, too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you take away that pressure. I mean, that makes all the difference in the world. I do think we are kind of where we should be. I think four and five after the last two, just because of the improbability of the way the both of them ended. I, I think that's where you should be, but you really are one quarter away. If you do beat Wisconsin in this past week holds from people looking at this team. Now people as in, you know, local, you know, champagne illinois fans not the national scale but illinois fans maybe the casual fans watching and saying wow man three in a row the two road wins top team in the west and a pretty good team in maryland out there i mean it would make you going into these last three not thinking we need to win and that case would be one more it's man we're gonna win one more at least can we get to a you know can we get to a seven to five bowl harry you are a fourth quarter collapse against wisconsin away from people talking about you as the sexy pick for Indy. That's where the uh, yeah, that's where the I, Big I Ten West it. is at. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at it, and even, do you remember a couple of years ago when we had won those four games in a row and I was giving you all the, um, the different combinations and permutations of what teams need to win and lose for us to get to Indy? I've kind of fallen back into that because I can't help but just look at it and say, if you beat... Wisconsin. I don't even think it's a trendy pick because Purdue, you wouldn't even have to worry about them catching you if you handle your business because they've lost all their games. Nebraska is able to, you know, find a way to lose to Michigan State. So they could definitely lose a couple more. If you win that that game against Wisconsin, I don't think you control your destiny, but you don't need need nearly as much help as you need right now. I think what is it? If you're able to win these next three, I think then you would probably need Iowa to lose one but beat nebraska mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff would need to happen so it is unfortunate because that was the goal at the beginning of the year man that was our last chance for we're not sure how long um i mean hopefully i heard you talking about it hopefully they come up with some kind of pods idea but yeah that that would have been fun but you know they can if they make this situation this season um the situation where this is the floor where stumbling out of the starting gates and getting to a six and six or seven and five finish, if that's the floor, I mean, that's what we want as Illinois. That's that's that you'll take that if that's your floor. I, I do think that's why these last three games are huge, not just for a bowl game, because here's the thing. No matter what bowl game you make, it's not going to be the most exciting. OK, fine. We acknowledge that. We'll take it. But we aren't going to be like, yes, the Gasparilla Bowl. Let's do it. You know, that, that, that's not going to arm forces bowl. Come on. That the idea of uh, even a music city bowl, probably not going to happen. Fine. Okay. But I think it's kind of twofold, Harry. I think it's the make a bowl game because that's what you want to do if you're a building program. But I also think and take the Indiana game as a big example. Dad's day, big crowd. 
beautiful sat fall beautiful fall Saturday, like fifty and sunny. What what could be the kind of win, albeit against Indiana, which I know isn't the most exciting, but it's the kind of win that would remind so many Illini fans why they invest their time, energy, and money into going to these games. And my worry, Harry, is that let's say they lose to Indiana. Then Brett Bielema is 4-9 in Big Ten home games, many of which in front of crowds that have finally committed to you. We're in. We believe in you. And then you get the rug pulled out from under you. I I worry the detrimental effect that if they lose this game in front of probably 50,000 fans, a good turnout on a beautiful day, that that uh, would zap a lot of momentum regardless of what happens in the next two. So in other words, every game kind of gives you once gets you one step closer to either continuing momentum or building on the little tiny bit of momentum you have after last week or losing it all together and entering next year like eh, whatever. And I don't want that. No, I think this game is huge just for obviously the bowl game I think is the first and foremost, but like you said, the aesthetic going forward. This is going to be the last game most people see this year because if I remember correctly, we, for some reason, play Northwestern at home when everyone's going to leave a college town and go back home. So you guys could both be 11-0 going into that game, and you're going to fill half the stadium just because of when it is in the season. I think that this this one, if you're able to go out here and you're able to kind of make a statement and win by a couple scores, or at the end of the, at the, end of the day, just win. But if you look like the better team and you beat this team handily, whether it's by one or two scores – that's going to be the last image a lot of people have of this team going into the season, regardless of what happens for the rest of the year. And I think that's huge for a team that really has had a couple moments earlier on in this year, Penn State, uh, Nebraska, home games, even Toledo I'll throw in there, where you're bringing back some excitement from last year and underwhelmed. Obviously, Penn State is what it is. Nebraska was earlier on in the season. And, you know, people kind of thought, okay, Matt Rule, maybe, maybe they'll finally come around. Indiana, just as, just as a name, even for Nebraska, you lose to Nebraska, at the end of the day, it's Nebraska. Indiana, you have no business losing to in this situation, just from an aesthetic point of view. You have no business losing to this team. And do we finally get the Brett Bielema revenge narrative back? Because it's been a too damn long since he's had his revenge narrative. He's only beaten this year Minnesota, who he always beats. Uh, Toledo, who cares? Florida, even though they're really good. Florida AM and Maryland, which I guess you could say that's revenge for 2021 at home when you should have won yeah. on a Friday night, but not really. I hated that game. I hated so. that 2021 game so much because not only I associate it with, I, I believe it was the day before my first bodybuilding show. So I was all sticky and orange and I was having to worry about why the game ran late. So I'm just sitting there thinking, I just want the game to win. I want us to our game to end. I want us to win so I can go to sleep. I need to wake up early for this. It runs long, and the way it ends, I'm just thinking, now I have to sleep after this. How, <laughs> how am I gonna? T-? So that was that was rough. I, I hated that game. So the uh, the Maryland one this past season. That yeah, the revenge one. I think that's probably the best instance you have of that. I don't know, man. Every time we think there's going to be a revenge narrative, it uh, it doesn't seem to come to fruition. I'm so I. I I'm trying not to um, not to chalk this one up to a revenge game. I just kind of think it comes down to this is one of the few instances where you have the horses and they don't. Usually it's the other way around. Usually it's how are we going to outcoach them? How are we going to outscheme them? We have a better coach and we have better athletes. I, 
I could have said it the same thing at the beginning of the last year, beginning of the season, you know, first, um, first like game of the season for Indiana. Maybe they have more time to prep for that. Cause I believe that was week one. And we had already played week zero Correct. Um, earlier. Who did we play week one, week zero last Wyoming. year? Wyoming. That's yeah. right. So you had already come in, you'd been half of your training camp, the latter half of your training camp and game planning for them. Indiana's just doing that all season for you or all off season for you. You're both coming into this game with the same amount of prep time. You have better athletes. You have better coaches. It's at home in front of what is going to be a big crowd. I mean, if you, if this, if this one falls through, that would be, that would be rough. So let's end with this, Harry, two, two predictions we'll make. The first one is what you think will happen Saturday. You can throw a score if you want to. And then what's the regular season record when all is said and done, what do you think the regular season record is? You, you go first here. I think this, I do think you're going to win this Saturday. I think we're going to win. And I think here's the problem I have with the Iowa game is that as bad as their offense is, they do have a really damn good defense. And when you're going into, you know, you're going in there with not a top half of the conference offense and what Illinois has, I still think that one ends up being a loss. I wouldn't be shocked if you go in there and win that game just because I was shown they had the capability of blowing those kind of games. And I think you, I will say this, you would have said a couple months ago, two months ago, that Northwestern game is um, is going to be up in the air. It would be because, damn, I mean, how bad is Illinois then? And it might have even looked a little bit like that because I thought Northwestern wasn't going to win a game this year. And credit to them, they hung around with Iowa. They beat Maryland. Now, I think that's more I don't know what the hell's going on in Maryland. Um, they beat Minnesota in that crazy comeback win. They're an okay team. You know, they're they're decent. They're right. They're plucky, just kind of like Indiana is. So the last thing I would hope is that they're taking Indiana or Northwestern lightly. You know, they're not taking Iowa lightly. Um, I think that you finish the season. I think you finish six and six. Okay. And then I'll, I'll give you this one. Even I'll say, let's see, for a bowl game. Just because I would want a chance to go to it, I'm going to say the Pinstripe Bowl. Hey, I would have to consider that a Yankee Stadium. I'd have to. That would uh, be cool. Yeah, it would be. Okay, so here's my prediction. I think I think Saturday you get the win. I think you barely cover. Um, but I think it feels a lot like the first three quarters of Wisconsin in that there was, a, you know, for three quarters, again, right until the Johnny Newton hit, the vibes were fine. There was no heavy cloud of... Uh oh, what when's this going to happen? And that was Wisconsin, and they, they have a different kind of cachet to their name than Indiana. So I, I do think this is good timing because you need the bowl game. You have seen firsthand that Indiana is not a slouch; that you got to bring it, and like you said, you got the horses to do this. So with the urgency, I think you win Saturday. I'm, I'm going to say like twenty-seven twenty. which is pretty consistent with the final scores in the last few weeks. It seems like every game is yeah. kind of ending that way. I I said this last year, Harry, before Illinois played Wisconsin on the road. I I said, you kind of got to go with what you see in front of you. Here's what I see in front of me. I see an Illinois team that the last three weeks is bit by bit putting things together. There was the terrible dip in the fourth quarter against Wisconsin, but bit by bit, things are coalescing. We saw in the second half against Minnesota, the defense was tough. And I know Kaliakiaki, 
McJackie ain't good. <laughs> Callie Jackie Aki. Callie not a good quarterback, and that's fine. Uh, but he looked god awful against that defense in the second half. So I'm thinking, okay, the defense with Johnny Newton, that's a different beast. I'm thinking the offense has a thing now. They have a thing where it's not just Caden Fagan, but it's the fact that they can stretch the ball downfield a little bit with Isaiah Williams. And if Pat Bryant could just hold on to the ball in the end zone, you win that Minnesota game comfortably. So barring any unforeseen circumstances, as in like Luke Altmaier targeting a, a, an opponent and then he's out for who who knows? Crazy crap happens, in Illinois. I think they went out. I think they went out because Iowa, for example, is playing Rutgers at home this week. I also think timing's everything. I think Iowa gets a hard-fought win against Rutgers, like 13 to 10, garbage-ass game. But Rutgers the is under a, still hits. <laughs> yeah, but Rutgers is a, a physical team. I think it'll be really competitive. You know, I don't know if Indiana brings that same physicality, so you should be going in as healthy and fresh as ever to Iowa City. And there's just a weird vibe up there with their lame duck offensive coordinator who's already on his way out and bad vibes amongst Kirk Ferentz and the athletic director. You get Northwestern at home, and I'm presuming that you win the next two and that you're 6-5. and five. And then you get Northwestern team that had their midseason peak, but they're still Northwestern. And I think we'll see that this weekend at Wisconsin. I think we will see when they go to Camp Randall that they are still a Northwestern team with an interim coach. So just looking at the games and the matchups in front of you, I actually think that they went out. Is it bad to say, just based on what I've seen from you know Illinois in the past, that I would I, I wouldn't be surprised with any outcome over the next three weeks, just 100%. because I think each one of the games is kind of coin flippy. But is it bad to say I would think it's more likely you win the next two and lose Northwestern than win the next three? I, I don't think that's loopy. That's shades of 2019. I will say, I say seven and five. I do think that six and six, I understand why that's more realistic. And I'd be more than happy with it. Like that gives you some margin for error. These last three games, you like all the matchups individually, but winning all three in a row and four in a row to end the year, that's... That is asking a lot. However, I think anything short of six and six at this point, it's I'm still using the dreaded F word failure. No, I, I it still is. would be. It it is because that would at this point that would mean that you lose to either Indiana at home or Northwestern at home. Either one it. of those, I mean I mean last year, week one, Indiana, excusable. Northwestern, you know, 2019 against, you know, after winning all those games, that's inexcusable. It's at home. It's at the end of the season. You have something to play for. No, that that would be, I agree with that because I think, and then if you, I will say, if you go six and six, you really would want to win that bowl game just for the aesthetic. Seven and six looks so much better than six and seven. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think I would say, Finishing with a above 500 record obviously is the goal. I would say a notch below that would be six and seven. I don't. I think there's. I think there's a noticeable gap. But then I mean anything below that is just that's rock bottom. I mean that's not rock bottom as it, you know. If Trevor's listening when this is posted, he always hated that term because you could always be worse. But for where our expectations are right now, the way this season is folded out or unfolded. Anything below a bowl game appearance would be a failure. And Harry, 
they could still finish with the same record as last year. They, I was, th- oh, I was thinking about that. If if we finish eight and five, how the hell do you look back at this season historically compared to last year? I think, I think you look back on it like, wow, what a finish! But why did he have to suck so much at the start? Because then, would that, be, yeah, yeah, would would that be like you would know more about this than I would? Would that be? Probably a first for Illinois, starting that slow and finishing that hot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been slow starts. So, for example, the year after the Sugar Bowl, they started one and four, and they finished five and seven. And one of those losses late was to double overtime to Ohio State, number one Ohio State. So they were a whisker away from making a bowl, right? And and, and a hot, hot finish, but it was just too little too late. You know what's crazy? That's the first Illinois football game I ever watched. And I watched it because I remember my dad saying something to the effect of, yeah, this game, it's, it's huge because if Ohio state wins, which they should, then they're going to be in the national championship in all likelihood. Um, And I remember they were talking about that on the broadcast and I wanted them to win because it was the team with the name, you know, the number next to it. I was like, Ooh, this is the really good team. Why are they having such a hard time with this team that I've never heard of? Little, little did I know that was my future home. It was a great game. It was a great game, and uh, John Butcher had his best game as an Illini. He played them evenly. Uh, Maurice Claret was out. I remember that he was not playing that game, uh, but nonetheless, Craig Krenzel and the old Buckeyes were. Uh, it, it was uh, one of those heartbreakers too, because there were a couple calls late that were borderline. But I'm not going to get into refs, Harry. I got to say, this is an Illini fan. I'm not going to be fatalistic. It's not the refs' fault. I know refs can suck. I get it. But eventually, with these last three games, I don't want to hear a damn word about it. You have an opportunity, especially the home games, to look like the better program. It's about time they do. Yeah, the, the refs should. The refs come into play in close games. The refs come into play against Indiana last year because you have that one play at the end of the set, first half that should have been a touchdown, and it comes down to being a one-score game. Shouldn't have been a one-score game. You had plenty of chances you left out there last year. Likewise, this year, home games against Northwestern, Indiana, refs shouldn't even come into play. If the refs come into play against Iowa, it is what it is. That uh, that would, hey man, that means you're you're playing it close. But if that's the case with you know this next game or Northwestern, then there are bigger problems because the game shouldn't be that close anyway. Harry, let's talk soon. Sorry that the Zoom thing wasn't working last time. I don't know what the hell, but it's working again. I'm glad you were on today. And uh, it's nice that despite the really weird season that we have a truly meaningful game to talk about and that the vibes would truly be good on Saturday afternoon if Illinois can get this win against Indiana of all teams. So it's right there in front of them. It's right there, man. We just got to, you know, strap in and see what happens. Harry, always appreciate it, bud. All right. All right. That is Harry Black joining us here on the 200 level. Appreciate that as always. Uh, Appreciate you guys for listening. We will be back on Sunday with a podcast to cover the game that we saw. And um, I do think that this is, as I mentioned, just a game you got to win. There's really not an alternative if you want to feel good about things. And I do think that the matchup lends itself to Illinois getting the win here. And style points would be great, but let's be honest, we don't need him. A win is a win is a win. They can win by one, and we'll be happy. Um, This year has been a total slog. It has been, but there's still an opportunity to make it a worthwhile season and stabilize some things. And I think 
get a little bit of faith back in the fan base that, wow, despite that, the coaching staff was able to corral some things, to stabilize things, and get them back to a level that we would be okay with going forward. Got to win this game. I think they do. Just please don't make me look like a fool, Illinois football. Please. Thank you guys again for listening. DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing at 217-841-4728. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. And Owen Builders online at owenbuildersllc.com. Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate them. Appreciate you. Sorry that my voice is not in the best of shapes, but it should be better on Sunday. Have a good rest of the week, everybody. Enjoy the Illinois basketball game Friday. I'll be happy to be in attendance and check them out in person. And we'll have plenty of basketball and football to talk about on Sunday. It is the 200 level.